her whole demeanor leading with the look on her face of recognition, of being seen, of being heard. You understood what I was trying to communicate was so powerful. Words are not their first line of communication. And and that is unfortunately the rest of the world's first line of communication. And so when we provide music, music has a way of cutting through there time and time again. It's just the most incredible experience to witness. Welcome to the Beautifully Broken Podcast, brought to you by Ampcoil. I'm your host, Freddie Kimmel, and on this show, we discuss the common thread survivors share after walking through the fire, the practitioners making a difference, and the treatment modalities that deliver healing back into the hands of the people who need it most. Witness the inspiration we gain by navigating the human experience with grace, humility, and a healthy dose of mistakes. Because part of being human is being beautifully broken. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Beautifully Broken Podcast. We find ourselves in a very unique situation right now. March 26, 2020. Most of the United States is on a mandated quarantine. Most of the world is in quarantine. As we try to blunt the curve of this virus. For the first time in our lifetimes, we're experiencing something very unique. And we're called in. We're in seclusion. Most of us are missing hugs right now and connection and physical touch. And from the grapevine that I'm attached to, the whispers in my ear are that this quarantine might be a little bit longer and a little more stringent in the next coming months. But we'll wait and see. And there's so many things I want to talk about, about mining the body's energetic systems and our health and our wellness and creating a robust immune system. But I'll be honest with you, there are people much smarter than me doing that out there. Listen to Dr. Ioannidis. Listen to Chris Kresser. Listen to Tim Ferriss. Listen to Dave Asprey. They've got all the knowledge and all the tools in their sourcing, the best solution-based materials you can turn to, as well as how to move away from fear. Actually, where my heart is today. (sighs) My heart is with the gratitude that I can, I can open a computer and get on a Zoom call with hundreds of people. I can FaceTime someone on the other end of the world and check in on them. I can schedule a Skype session. However, the senior population, the immunocompromised, those living in, those living in assisted living, those in hospice care, they don't have the ease of um, usage with that level of technology. They're very, very isolated right now. And that population is someone who lives off the daily interactions of community dining, which is no longer happening in all senior centers. They live off the family visit or the weekend, the weekend away where they get to escape the facility and and go stay with family and friends. That's not happening. They live for groups that, that come into these assisted living centers, the senior centers, and do comedy routines, sing songs, magic shows. None of that is happening for good reason, but there's a lot of isolating going on. So my request is, if this resonates with you, if you find yourself worrying about your job or the stock market or what's coming next for you, just look at it as a small little challenge. 
where you're at in your life. We're going to get over it. However, there are people at the end of their lives that are very scared right now, very alone, and could really use a hand, a an olive branch, an extension, a message that I love you, because they don't always have the level of technology where they can open a computer or jump on FaceTime. So if you have a senior in your life, please reach out. Let them know you love them. If you have a connection with a senior center or a hospice center or anywhere that would hold safety for this group, this group of the population, even if it's not your immediate family member, send a message of love. And with that, what I'd like to do today is I would like to re-air an episode about Sing for Your Seniors, which is a group in New York City which sends Broadway caliber singers and performers into senior centers, into hospice centers, into community centers for daytime care and provide song and dance and uplifting entertainment. And and they're a magical group. So I interviewed Jackie, the group's founder and creator, almost a year ago. This episode rings more true now than it ever has. And if you're moved to what you hear and what you see, Jackie's contact details are in the end of the episode and in the show notes. And if this is something you'd like to be a part of, trust me, we'll find a spot for you. So with that, I give you Sing for Your Seniors, and I hope you enjoy this episode, and I hope you are staying safe and finding finding where the moments of gratitude are, the moments of love in this time of complete uncertainty. Fall into what's behind that. Fall into the unknown fall into that message behind your heart that you're going to be okay. And please enjoy this next hour of entertainment. And the Beautifully Broken podcast is here for you. If you need to reach out to me, if you need any support, if I can give you guidance, I'm doing a Facebook Live about every day. I'm always on the Instagram, so you can connect with me at Freddie Sicko on Instagram or Freddie Kimmel on Facebook. So I'm there. I'm sitting at home. I'm doing the same thing that I've always done. Life has not really changed much for me, but now let's drop into this episode and I hope you enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Beautifully Broken Podcast. I'm your host, Freddie Kimmel. Today we have a very special guest. Jackie Vanderbeck is an actor, writer, and producing artistic director of Sing for Your Seniors a New York-based, not-for-profit organization. Sing for Your Seniors' mission is to enrich lives through the universal language of music and song by bringing professional artists to the community of seniors in need of entertainment. They foster connection and they share joy. They focus service to low-income senior communities, LGBTQ and elders, veterans, and those living with Alzheimer's and dementia. Now, Sing for You Seniors is a five-time recipient of the Quality of Life grant from Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS. Jackie is a member of Actors' Equity Association and the Dramatists Guild of America. Let's give a big round of applause to Jackie Vanderbeck. Hi. Jackie, welcome to the show. I was wondering if we couldn't jump right in, if you could, if you could frame for someone listening to this, what a typical session of Sing for Your Seniors looks like. Absolutely. Our sessions generally are about four to five singers. Um, Our artists sign up for a particular session at a center. We serve right now currently 10 different facilities. So that group will sign up. 
and they show up the day of the the session with their music books and uh, we have a, an accompanist for them. And we kind of build our own adventure when it comes to the material that we use um, in that particular session based on the environment in the room and based on that particular community. So we'll jump in usually with an up-tempo and each of the performers will follow after that. And based on kind of how the energy is in the room, how somebody might be responding to a particular kind of music, that might influence the way that um, what our choices will be next. And I like it that way because it, it really does promote the opportunity of community. And we're not just performing at somebody like you're forced to listen to what we have prepared for you. Instead, we're taking in your energy. We're like, oh, you know what? They're really kind of feeling down today. Maybe let's focus more on some up tempos. Let's get some pop music in here. Or um, maybe they're asking questions that day more and they're kind of being more interactive. So we want to talk a little bit more about the song that we're singing or the show that it came from maybe. And we'll, you know, go with that dialogue. Um, all of our sessions run for 45 minutes and then we do 15 minutes of meet and greet where the artists go out into the audience and thank everybody for coming. We want to give them the feeling of the experience that they have come to see something special. Oftentimes, um, some of our audiences never get to attend live performances. And so we want to create that gratitude with them and thank them for coming to have this experience with us today. And also it gives us an opportunity to learn more about them. Oftentimes they'll tell you a story about how that, that song that we had just sung was their wedding song with their spouse. And, and it brings back these wonderful memories or at the actor's home, we get people that are saying, you know, oh, well, I was in the original cast of Oklahoma. So I loved, you know, hearing that song. So it's really a, a communal experience. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I want to I jump back there for a second. You mentioned the actor's home. And I assume this is in the New York City area that you're working with these centers. You do do work around other parts of the country, but I want to focus on the New York City area and just ask, so there's different locations and different centers, and how are those centers differ from each other as far as um, the type of person that you're performing for? Yes, I, I can't help but smile at each individual center, each community that we serve, because they are very different and they have their own families, you know, like their own family of their community, the heart. So for example, at the actor's home, I always say to our artists that these, these are our people. These are the show folk. And so when we go there, we're going there to speak the language they taught us. And we're giving their language back to them. And so particularly in, um, at the actor's home, we do two sessions there. We do one in the Alzheimer's and the dementia uh, floor. And then we do one upstairs in the nursing home floor. And so downstairs in the Alzheimer's floor... That music is extremely impactful and that community doesn't use language as their number one way of communication. And so when we introduce the music into the room, we're opening up a, a, a new line of connection, a new line of communication that they're able to connect with. And it's, it's incredible to experience. Another center we serve, uh, SAGE, which is the LGBTQ Senior Center, New York. They are super festive. They are huge fans of the theater. Often a lot of them have worked in the theater at some point, or they're just 
mega fans. And so at that facility, we come and bring material. And I tell some of our artists, you know, bring your obscure trunk songs because they love to be stumped. Like if you can stump them with a song, um, they just get a hoot out of that, you know. Then we also serve uh, Calvary Cancer Hospital, and that is a hospice hospital. And so we are serving a community that they're in the last stages of their life. And how that informs the room is also really impactful for the artists as well as, as the audience. But we do approach that slightly different. Again, constantly being open to what the environment is. Encore Senior Center, which is right in the heart of Midtown Manhattan, we have less people there that have a lot of live performance experience. And so they might, you know, you'll you'll be performing for somebody who's also playing checkers or who's doing a crossword or is finishing their their food. And they they don't really have like the tools for that theatrical etiquette. And so with the artists, when we bring our artists in there. I'm just like, go at it like gangbusters. And if you have to like ask somebody to like, hey, hey, sir, over there, you know, you know, grab their attention in some new way, like go for it. But this isn't their, their, this isn't their comfort zone, but they love it. But you might not receive the kind of formal appreciation that you might be used to as a performer on the stage. Yes. For everybody at home, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a, big um, contributor to Sing for Your Seniors. It's a big part of my life in New York City. And there's oftentimes when I find myself in in a center and there's no way you could describe in words, we always try to after a session, what happened in the room. Specifically for me, the last, I think, year and a half, I primarily worked in the actor's home. And so, as you said, you know, working downstairs in the dementia ward is, is... a transformative experience. I mean, seeing people circled up in complete catatonic states and people, when you start the show, dealing with um, aggression and anger, and and you know that's coming from a sense of confusion, um, not really sure where they are, and all of a sudden there's people um, singing and dancing and there's a piano. And to ha- to be there to witness, I know one of my favorite stories was sitting there and having a gentleman in a wheelchair just head down, 45 degree angle, looking at his feet. And 15 minutes later, he's up and he's shuffling across the floor. He's in a complete phrase of choreography. Come to find out he had been in like four or five Broadway shows. He was a Broadway chorus dancer. I know exactly who you're talking about. <laughs> and and, it's, and it, the music brings him alive. And he's, he dances with people. He doesn't dance by himself. There's someone partnering him on the other end of his, his body. And that for me, that is a place that's, that's, I bookmark that in my head whenever I go in there and whether I see that um, outward expression of, of the effect of the music or not, you know, it's happening on that level. So I really try to keep that bookmarked for myself. Would you share one of your favorite experiences from any center? Oh my gosh. Well, um, speaking um, of the dementia unit at the actor's home, there was a session where a woman in a wheelchair, well, also to speak on the design of how we approach the um, actor's home dementia unit, you mentioned it, that we circle up. And that is something that we do specifically 
in the dementia unit. And we do that so that everybody, um, that the sound is coming from one location and they don't get more confused as we tend to in our other sessions roam through the audience. And so that is specifically done in that. So at this particular session, this woman sort of broke the circle in her wheelchair and scooted over to the piano. And she got real close to the piano, which is not typically where um, they want usually want to be because usually it's a little loud. You know, they want to be a little further back. And our pianist was hearing that she was vocalizing and we were not sure if she was just doing it happenstance because sometimes that happens or or what was going on. And then the more we listened, there was it was a melody. One of the artists knew what it was. and for some wackadoo reason, had that song in his book that day and was able to then put it on the piano and play it. And she sang with him the song, but it, but he didn't come forth with the word. She didn't come forth with the words. She was coming forth with the music. And just the fact that she wheeled herself over to the piano, I'm by wheeled, I mean, scoot with her legs over the piano and was just was doing this melody line. And we were all kind of listening like, what is no, that is a song. That is a song. We were able to give it to her and just her whole demeanor, you know, leading with the look on her face of recognition, of being seen, of being heard. You understood what I was trying to communicate, you know, was so powerful. And I see that time and time again, particularly in the Alzheimer's and dementia units is that you know, words are not their, their first line of communication. And, and that is, unfortunately, the rest of the world's first line of communication. So if you take that out, slowly over time, they give up trying any other way to reach out. And so when we provide music, music has a way of cutting through there. And if they grab one end of that, I'm going to pull that rope as hard as I can <laughs> to yeah. draw that out. And, and I've seen it you know, time and time again, it's just the most incredible experience to witness. I know you're in close contact with the nurses and the caregivers at, at all the centers. And, and I'm sure, and I've heard this feedback and, and if you can speak to it, um, how the mood and there is a shift that happens in energy post session. And I think maybe timeline were there almost once a month, maybe it's once every six weeks. Different centers are different timelines. Yeah. Some we are there every month. Some were there every other month. But absolutely, we get lots of feedback. Um, and I love it when the artists get that feedback like right away from from the nurses saying, Oh my gosh, she hasn't she hasn't been awake for weeks or she hasn't said a word in two months. That's oh, it's so it's so awesome. It really does fill you up. Even our other centers that are that we're not dealing with dementia, we're a very popular program. And feedback I'd gotten recently from a facilitator was that more than just the music, it was that our artists were really wanting to make an actual connection with another person. It wasn't just we're performing at you and then we leave. It was, you know, a communal experience and an intergenerational connection that was being made that instills in our audience that we're 
we're just as excited to connect with you as you are to be here to listen to us perform. Like we want to know you. We want to really know how you felt about that song or really know why that made you smile so much, you know? For me, it's always, it's always had the power of just disabling my ego as a performer. You know, it really, it really unravels. And I always find myself so present. And it's usually, it's usually something that for a new way informs how I'll ever interpret that song again. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. Yes. And I've had people from Broadway companies come and, and sing, and they're just that, you know, being able to see the person that you're singing to, you know, when you're singing up on a stage and it's bright lights and you're telling this soliloquy story, whatever, out into the ethers. Um, Obviously you have this mental image about what you're singing about, but when you're looking at somebody who's your partner right there in that moment, but yeah, I've absolutely, my material is absolutely influenced by how it's, how I've done it in the centers and the feedback and the different ways I, the different tactics I ended up using in order to gain a giggle from somebody or, you know, or the image of somebody's re- reaction to something is absolutely has for me too. Yeah. It's, we're in complete alignment on that. And I know we share that sentiment. So I'm picturing I'm picturing you went to one of the best schools in country in the country to do music theater. The University of Cincinnati College Conservatory of Music. Beautiful. And 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 trust me, anybody who is listening to this, the people who go to that program, they're some of the biggest names on Broadway. I mean, it's really one of those elite training conservatories and and the level of talent comes out is just incredible. I'm imagining a, a young Jackie, you know, going to school and and really cultivating her craft. You've got your eye on New York. You're picturing moving here. All the dreams, all the roles that could unfold before you. And and you you come into the city and how does how does sing for your seniors come into play? When you have so much on your plate and I know when I got here, the only thing I was thinking about was getting a show or making it or getting an agent. And that was 125% of my effort. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I came here to do as well. What happened? happened? Um, So yeah, when you come to the city, you're incredibly entrenched in surviving as well as chasing your dreams and trying to do those two things at the same time. I struggled a little bit with connecting to my new world, my new environment. Um, I grew up very close with my grandparents and my great grandmother. So I had that weight of generations very much um, a part of my life. My grandparents live next door to me. I talked to my great grandmother regularly. So when I moved out of conservatory program where you're just constantly busy into this new life and kind of creating my new life, I felt a mega thing missing. There was a weight missing. And I wasn't interacting with other generations in New York. I mean, it's fast. Young people all the time. I see young people everywhere. Where are all the old people? Where are they? (laughs) I don't see them. I don't talk to them daily. I don't have interactions with them. That sort of whole paired with constant auditions the only time that I was singing or telling stories was when I was trying to get 
a job, when I was trying to get something from somebody, I'm going to sing this song to you in hopes that you're going to give me something, a job. And I started to feel disconnected from my work as an artist, as I've disconnected from the passion of it. It started to feel cold and stagnant for me. And that scared me a lot because this was something that was a love of mine all my life. And so I was sort of looking for a solution to those two things. And I felt that there could be a connection there. I did try to find some volunteer opportunities in the city, but I found that it was very difficult because as an actor, you could book a job and have to leave. And a lot of times they wanted longer commitments. So I just said, well, I don't need permission to do this. I'm just going to write a couple of senior centers and see if I could go down and sing because that's what I have to give. I don't have any money, you know, and that's my that was my craft. That's what I do is singing. So maybe I can give that. And I heard from the village adult day health center, care center. And um, I went on down there and I just entered a very noisy cafeteria area and sang acapella for them for an hour. (laughs) And I did that once a week for several weeks until I ran out of music. (laughs) And, um, that's also where we kind of started, where the structure of Sing for Your Seniors began. Well, it is where the structure of Sing for Your Seniors began. I put everybody in a circle um, there, as opposed to sort of an audience over here. I wanted it to feel. And then I started inviting friends to come and sing with me because I ran out of material and they were hearing the same things over and over again. <laughs> and So when I got to about four, three to four friends, it felt good. It felt like, okay, there's enough of us for a nice variety of music and perspectives, but there's not so many of us that they don't know how many of us are there that they can't remember me. At the time, my roommate was a pianist on Broadway in Chicago. So when we would go on Monday on his day off, he came and started playing. And then that's what really solidified it. And I always say that it was that those seniors and that audience that taught me what Sing for Your Seniors needed to be. I still will always carry with me Edna, Joel, Nora, and Carmen, who taught me how to connect with them. I just had to be open to it and I had to show up for it. And that's, that's how it was made. That's how it was made. And now, so that was one center, the village daycare center, which is no longer there, but, but we've sort of moved that session around. And some of those people do have access to that, that same scenario. So that was, that was the creation story. That's, that's our ground zero. And then how many centers are you working with today? We have, quote unquote, residencies in 10 centers around the New York City area. And as I mentioned before, some of them we serve every month, some of them we serve every other month. But it's a commitment that it's not just a one-off. We don't do one-offs. We don't just come to sing at you and leave. We want to build a relationship with everybody there. Um, We want them to know and be excited to come back and see us, to have something to look forward to hey, I'm going to be at this next session. You better be here. If I'm going to bring that song you like, come back and see me. 
okay. You know, like it's like a, it's a partnership. It's a commitment to each other. There's that, there's that. It makes me think of um, when I'm working with someone as a health coach and someone will reach out and say, I just want, can you give me like some supplements and like a protein and a workout because I'm just going to go do it on my own. And in my head, I know it's not about the things or the information. It's about the process and the journey. You know, it, it took you 20, 30, 40 years to get to a place of dysfunction where you don't feel great, where things aren't in alignment. And I know in my head, whenever I hear someone ask for the quick fix, that it's going to take us a process of three to six months to undo those patterns and programming. And it goes deeper than our choices. And I, and I love that about Sing for Your Seniors, that there's a commitment to that community, that we're going to keep showing up every month. And they wait for you to show up. They wait for you. And when you miss a session or you haven't been there in a while, yeah. you get, you get, where have you been? Yeah. Where have you been? And it, it just, it breaks your heart a little bit, but it also feels really good that, that you are remembered, you know, when you're a stranger, but they know your songs and they, and they know what you've, you've brought there. I want to ask. So, so again, here you are, you know, this, um, amazingly talented performer. You went to one of the best schools in the country and you came in, your, you started this organization. How did that, and, and on a, a now on a big, big level, how did that balance with your dreams and your acting career? I, I don't know. I mean, I guess originally I never felt like I had to choose, you know, I could still pursue the arts in that form and I can pursue the arts in this form. It never felt like a choice. I never felt like it was a choice for me. You know, my work with Sing for Your Seniors absolutely influences my work on the stage and how I approach material. And I hope that my work on the stage shows the kind of compassion and that we champion in our work at Sing for Your Seniors. So I don't see the difference. It's great. I I mean, I love that you've found that. And I, I feel that too. I feel that it's a, it's, it serves as the outlet sometimes completely. I want to go back to, I want to timeline back a little, a little bit before New York, before sing for your seniors. And there were, there was probably, I think your connection, like you said, you were looking when you said that I was walking in the streets of New York and I was looking for the old people and I didn't see them. And I wasn't connecting with them. And I feel that about New York City proper too. It is very rare that we see someone that I would see at my center out um, because, listen, the subways are hard. The winters are hard. You know, it, it, is, it is one of those cities where it's very easy to be on the seventh floor of your Upper West Side apartment and just in, in a way. And, and that connection is missed. But that eye that you naturally have to look for that connection developed from somewhere, from somewhere in your family. And um, I wonder if you couldn't just shed some light on, on who those people were for you that was your connection as a caregiver. I mean, obviously, my relationship to my grandparents is highly influential in that. But if we go to the starting point, that would be my sister, Jamie. Um, my sister is blind and developmentally delayed epileptic. And she is my older sister. So she really taught me the world. And um, so I think that from a very early age, um, my perspective of 
who is in the world was a little bit different than most people grow up experiencing. So, you know, I see, you know, if I'm on the subway train and I can see very quickly if somebody's behaving in such a way that that might, rep, you know, present like a, a little bit childlike or if I see a white cane with a red tip, I mean, it's like radar, you know, that I I can identify very quickly. And so, um, yeah, that's 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 my sister. That's from her. And would you guys would you guys um, perform? Would you sing together? Did she did she enjoy uh, growing up with a sister who had these gifts as a musical artist? <laughs> um, I don't know if she enjoyed it, but um, she that is how we primarily connected um, with each other was through music. Um, Jamie's unique way of connecting to the world was through music oftentimes. And I would have to say specifically musical theater for somebody who doesn't cognitively work on the same level as everybody else. When you think about it, musical theater sort of tells you how to feel about things. So if Jamie couldn't cognitively understand the storyline of something, the music is telling her, this is not a good guy. This is not a good guy. The music is telling her, oh my gosh, they're in love with each other. Oh my gosh, there's a swell. They, you know, there's a moment of passion or, and then um, the conclusion of the tale comes, you know, the end of the story comes with a very big song and we all sing together and it's happy and that's the end. So we loved musicals. She loved musicals and she loved music of all kinds. She loved country music. She loved rap music. She loved soul. She loved R&B. She loved pop music. She loved alternative music. She loved James Taylor. She loved story music. Like she loved Sesame Street. Every every kind. And that is absolutely the language that we spoke with each other. That's how Jamie connected to us. That's how we could easily connect to Jamie. And that's how she connected to the world. I mean, I can see just listening to you tell that story and framing it that way, how integrative she was in the construction of Sing for Your Seniors and the format and the tools and the eye and the heart and, and all those things are built through your relationship with your sister. A hundred percent. I think that, yeah, when it's like if you rewind so far back, you're like, okay, obviously the grandparents and this, da, 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 da. but then when I think about how I approach the music in a session, how I find my way in with somebody, you know, who's um, on a different cognitive experience than myself, those were lessons that I didn't know I was learning at the time <laughs> that, I, that I learned from her. That's beautiful. I have a question. So in, in your mind, when you look at the, when you look at examining song and, and integrating touch and connection and really making that bridge to someone in a session, has that always been a part of the process? Or do you think that's something that's evolved on another level as you've gone deeper with Sing for Your Seniors? For me, it's always been a part of the process. What I love watching is other artists evolve in their tools for connecting in a session. I've had some artists that come on and they're very like apprehensive at first and they just want to sing their song and like sit down. 
And then over time, I've watched as people start to gain more confidence in their ability to connect. We all have it. You know, you just have to, sometimes it takes a little practice and sometimes you just want to, you know, we'll start, I'll watch somebody kind of start, they go from singing up at the mic to maybe grabbing the mic and walking into the audience. And then maybe the next time they grab the mic, walk into the audience and sit down next to somebody, or they might touch a shoulder. And then the next thing I know, they're like, Picking people, you know, I'm picking them up and like they're getting them up and dancing with them or like, so um, I've definitely seen that growth happen from our artists. What do you think? I want to ask about the role of a caregiver, you know, so we're, we're, we're playing a role in these sessions as caregivers. And then you've obviously had this experience from a very young age, being a caregiver to your sister. And I'm wondering I just, I wish everybody could have this experience because in my head, it would, it would change, it would solve so many problems that we're dealing with in the world. Because I know even for myself, I know for myself and I've, I've recorded an episode about this and you just heard it, um, it when we, before we sat down, how much taking the focus off myself and putting it on someone else without any investment to what I was getting back, how that changed my, my shift in healing completely, completely. It was my turnaround. And that's why with every experience I can go into this, I don't care if I'm tired or if I'm not feeling amazing that day, or if I'm really struggling with something, I'm always really up and I'm really high after I've had that hour to be a caregiver and play that role. What would be your advice to somebody who it's it's whether they say i don't have time i'm too busy you know i'm struggling to make life happen right now what would you say to them as an impetus to take action open yourself up i think that there are so many opportunities small ones even that fly by really easily and that if you just started with one little thing even if it was just a door or a conversation with somebody more than, you know, a few words in passing. Those things aren't even, they don't even maybe qualify under donated time. It's just connecting to, to the things that are around you. Take a minute, pull the earbuds out, take a minute and just observe who's in this car with me. Start there, start there. And then follow those instincts and those impulses. I think even in our sessions, I rely heavily on my instinct and impulse when I feel somebody begin to stir, somebody begin to awaken, how to approach them. Sometimes I might just offer my hand out. And if they reach back, I know that I've been given permission to connect. And I think that those opportunities are everywhere if we open that shell up a bit. And those can be the baby steps to begin to incorporate incorporate that in your life, not pause my life, give back, and then pick up my life again, but actually incorporate them, make that a part of your life. But I think if you begin in that way first, that incorporation will feel very organic. 
because I think I truly believe that it is in our human nature to do those things. And we've somehow been convinced otherwise that these other things are more important. Yeah. Beautifully said. Beautifully said. I want to give people, I want to give, I have two, two seg- segments of the population that I'm thinking of right now. I'm seeing performers out there that are going to hear this and they're going to want to get in and they're going to want to get started and they're going to feel silly that they've waited so long if they've known about it. I want to know how they get started. Let's do that first. Okay. You visit our website, singforyourseniors.org. On there, you can go to the, um, the application page for filling out an application to become one of our artists. So that would be, that would be the first step. Easy peasy. Fill that out real quick. The way that we work is that we send out sign-up sheets once a month for the following month, and um, you'll sign up for a date. And essentially, it's it's only one hour. We do not rehearse. You show up with your book, and you're ready to go. Every you know, our artists are professional artists, so you bring your audition book and or whatever you have music you want to share or try, and it's that one hour, and that's. So much more happens in that one hour than you could think of. But um, really, if we're just talking timetables here, it's just one hour. It's just one hour a week. So then I have, I have people that will hear this and are going to be so inspired. And I know they will. I know my audience and they're loyal. They are. They're, they're good people. The people who I connect with in the online space, in, in, in the world, I know they're going to hear this and they're going to want to move. They're going to want to help in some way. And it might not be traveling to New York City and learning how to sing and getting in a session, but there might be another way for those people to be aligned with this mission and to help move this forward. So what would you give that group? What, what advice would you deliver? Well, I've had some people reach out to me from different parts of the country where we are not located. And my advice always to people is just to email them, find a senior center, Google them, uh, find a, find a, an organization in your area and just show up, you know, what can I do? Do you guys need anything? Like, can I bring, you know, can I, can I bring books? Can I read books to the people? Can I, you know, what is it that you like to do? I'm sure there are lots of other people that like to do that too. I like to knit or I like to draw or I like whatever those things are and share that with somebody else. But nobody needs to give you permission to do that. You can just go and do it. And then I have, I know there's another thing you do, which is really, really amazing. And I've actually never been to one, but Sing for Your Seniors actually brings Broadway shows to these centers on a, on a need-to-need basis. So they shift when they happen and where they happen, but it's usually a, a, a person um, I think it's, is it still Daniel Torres mm-hmm. who's, who aligns a Broadway show on their day off and they come in and they do numbers from the show and they do their own numbers and it's a beautiful experience. Now I know that's something also people can sponsor a Broadway show to come to a center for a day. So how would people do that? On our website, on our donation page on the website, there are different monetary commitments that you can make. And one of them is the brought to sponsor a Broadway session. So you can find that there. And those are so special because it just, it gives, it makes our audiences feel important that these people would come and do this for them. And a lot of them, um, particularly at Calvary Cancer Hospice Hospital, they'll, they'll not be able to go and see a Broadway show. And 
for them to come and bring that to them is just, is, is incredibly impactful. And they can invite their families to that session. So that's an experience that they can have outside of their hospital experience for an hour to just have something special and something else to talk about. Talk, let's talk about this music or let's talk about that artist. That, oh my gosh, that song was so beautiful. And, oh, you know, and have something else. And then, you know, for some of our other centers where we're serving low income seniors, it's just a complete unicorn <laughs> to them <laughs> to have these people walk in the room and, you know, and, and sing this material. It's, and, and then when you go to Sage at the LGBT Senior Center and Judy Kuhn walks in and sings someone else's story, the entire overpacked room is sobbing including me. <laughs> I'm just standing in the back just like, oh. Um, and for the people who don't know at home, tell us who Judy Kuhn is. Oh, Judy Kuhn is like a Broadway legend star who has originated many incredible works that for a very young girl in the 80s growing up was <laughs> the epitome of perfection and inspiration. Beautiful. Well, Jackie, it has been an absolute pleasure. I thank you so much for opening opening up and opening your heart and allowing us to have this conversation, this candid conversation about an organization which I love so much, which I believe in so much. I continue to champion it on my outlets in my community with my people, and I'm going to continue to do so in 2019. Well, you're an incredible session leader. So we're so lucky to have you. (laughs) And I will be leading this year. I'm going to be leading the sessions at Sage. So that's happening right in Chelsea. And it is a it's a magical experience. So everybody has a course of action listening to this podcast. You can you can take it into your heart. You can fill up with warm goodness and you can reach out to a local senior center. You can reach out to sing for your seniors org and you can get on board you can sign up to do one of these sessions to be a performer or you can reach out to the website and you can sponsor a session or and you can move this mission forward and again this is something i really believe in i've seen the magic music has power to heal on a deeper level than than what we know to understand and that's truth ladies and gentlemen you made it to the end of the podcast Now, in a world where the average attention span is less than 10 seconds, we just spent almost an hour together. And I think this is the beginning of something really beautiful. Now, one way to support the podcast is to head over to freddysetgo.com and check out my newly launched page, Freddy's Faves, where I've linked every five-star product and healing modality you hear about on the show. Most offer significant discounts by clicking the link. And please know, it doesn't cost you anything extra And at the same time, they support the show through affiliation. So check out Freddy's Faves on freddysetgo.com. This episode of the Beautifully Broken Podcast was brought to you by our sponsor, AmpCoil, upgrading the vibrations of hearts, minds, and bodies all over the world. Thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's show, head over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. Grabbing a download is like giving this virtual thumbs up that we're doing it right. And if you want to connect with me, shoot me a message on Instagram at freddysetgo.com or at freddysetgo. That's all for today. Our closing, our closing, the world is hurting. We need you at your very best. So take the steps today 
to always be upgrading whatever it takes to move the needle. Remember, while life is pain, putting those fractured pieces back together is a beautiful process. I'm your host. I love you. Namaste. Have a wonderful day. Thank you.